0: So I'm going to present actually a a working uh, model about how reward circuitry plasticity might explain uh, the development of obesity. Um, There was, uh, I don't have to say this, but obesity is bad, it kills a lot of people, Uh, treatment doesn't work horribly well, and maybe if we improve our understanding of the risk factors that promote obesity, we'll come up with better prevention and treatment programs. so I was uh really excited to get into this uh, particular area of research because there's a nice set of competing models, and usually, when you have competing models, one would get you know sort of cast aside and you'd march forward. Um, But in a nutshell, um, there's a camp that proposed that people who experience more reward from food intake so for people for whom eating is more orgasmic, they're gonna eat more and it causes overeating and obesity. Uh, In the other corner um, are Wang and uh, other colleagues who've proposed that people who experience less reward from eating, Um, are going to overeat to compensate for this reward deficit. And Kent set this up very nicely. Um, I, too, was very puzzled with that particular notion. um, The law of effect coming out of very old psychology usually is, if something feels good, you do it more, not the opposite. Um, So what did we know? Well, back then, uh, we knew that obese versus lean humans uh, showed greater activation in the gustatory cortex, somatosensory cortex, and other reward regions, which you've heard a lot about today, uh, such as OFC and amygdala and striatum. And this is in response to pictures of palatable foods, so food cues. Uh, we also know that obese versus lean rats show more dopamine release during feeding. Um, here's some pictures of the brain regions that we'll sort of talk about today, um, which I think we've seen a lot of these pictures. So glance right over that. Um, there's also evidence that obese versus lean individuals show greater regional blood flow in the oral somatosensory uh, cortex um, in response to palatal food images and resting, um, greater resting metabolic uh, metabolism in these re- same regions, suggesting uh, some role in the somatosensory regions in obesity. Uh, now, in the other corner, um, and Kent propose, or, uh, presented this data already, that obese versus lean humans show um, lower dopamine D2 receptor binding in the striatum. Um, and this is replicated in two studies, so it seems like a pretty solid effect. This echoes what we see with drug addicts, that if you uh, look at people with cocaine abuse problems or something like that, they also have a lower binding potential in the striatum. Um, We also know that obese versus lean rats have less uh, basal dopamine levels, fewer D2 receptors, and uh, less dopamine release from electrical stimulation. So there is some support for this hyporesponsivity theory as well. Um, At the point in time where we began to do research in this area, um, it was sort of puzzling to me why nobody had tested whether obese versus lean individuals show a differential activation reward circuitry in response to food in the scanner? It seemed like a pretty basic research question to do, so we decided we'd try that. Um, And then the other part is, is this a vulnerability factor or a consequence of overeating? Um, We know that overeating leads to downregulation of D2 receptors, reduced D2 sensitivity, and less reward sensitivity in animals, Um, so it seemed important to test whether abnormalities in reward circuitry response to food increases risk for future weight gain. Um, so, a couple years ago, we uh, partnered with Dana Small, who uh, has done remarkably um, wonderful work in terms of food administration in the scanner, um, and basically we did a paradigm where we either give people chocolate milkshake or a tasteless uh, solution, sort of a saliva solution. Uh, proxy measure because water has taste that our brain uh, reacts to very strongly. Um, and we looked at neural activation response to receipt of chocolate milkshake um, or the anticipated receipt. You know, we show a cue that you're about to get chocolate milkshake. So we could try to parse that wanting and liking a little bit. I'm not sure we succeeded in that. Um, but what we found was that obese versus lean individuals showed greater activation bilaterally in the anterior insula and the frontal operculum, as well as the rolandic operculum, in response to the taste of chocolate milkshake versus tasteless control solution. We've actually seen this in three different studies, so it seems uh, pretty solid in terms of that effect. Um, but curiously, we saw an inverse relationship between caudate activation, butamen activation in response to receipt of chocolate milkshake. So there's less activation in the dorsal striatum um, as individuals who are heavier consume chocolate milkshake relative to leaner individuals. Um, We also were very curious about um, TAC A1 status. Uh, This is a a genotype that's been studied extensively in the substance abuse literature, Um, and uh, I won't get into the details of it, but basically people with an A1 allele, which is about 30% of the population, have 30 to 40% fewer D2 receptors, and, and there's some evidence of weaker dopamine signaling. And what um, why we thought this was particularly important was that people with A1 allele report greater food cravings and work more for food in operant tasks. Um, they show higher rates of obesity in some studies, although that finding isn't that robust. Um, but Len Epstein found a very interesting interaction where the harder you work for food, um, the, the, sorry, that if you have an A1 allele, um, those people, uh, work harder for food um, in an operant task if they they had the A1 allele, and that predicted ad-lib caloric intake. So anyway, there's an interaction between A1 allele and food reward, it looks like, from his literature. Um, So we tested whether abnormalities in food reward um, predicted weight gain over one-year follow-up and whether the A1 allele moderated this um, effect. And we found uh, an interaction, as you would have expected based on Len Epstein's work, And in a nutshell, for individuals who showed a blunted response to milkshake receipt and the putamen or uh, caudate gained the most amount of weight um, if they had the A1 allele. And it actually appeared like it's opposite for those with the A2, A2 allele um, and that the greatest weight gain occurred for the people who showed the most response uh, in these brain regions. Um, So this was sort of a curious uh, complexity in terms of moderation really changing the main effects. And if you think about what the main effects would look like without regard to A1 allele status, it'd be pretty much no relationship. So it's pretty important to moderate, or look at the moderating effects of A1 allele status. Um, So we next um, looked at activation in response to food reward regions. Well, people imagine eating palatable foods. our environment is replete with uh, food images and things that remind us of food, so we thought it was important to look at neuroactivation activation in response to these food cues. Um, we did this uh, with young adolescent females, and also looked at whether the a one allele moderated these effects. Um, And in sort of juxtaposition to what we found with the milkshake receipt paradigm, we actually found that um, the heavier participants showed greater activation in the dorsal striatum in response to these images. So there is an interesting uh, bifurcation of response to food receipt versus food cues. Um, so it's not like these individuals just had uh, a hypofunctioning dorsal striatum in, in general, but it was in response to food receipt but not to food cues. It's, it's elevated response to food cues. Um, found very similar effects for orbital frontal cortex, which plays a role apparently in encoding the reward value of stimuli. Um, More interestingly is we again found evidence that the TAC A1 allele moderates these relations. Um, And basically in a nutshell, for people who showed the least activation, the putamen in response to this who have the A1 allele show the most weight gain over the subsequent one year period of time. So this is uh, an effect that we saw also in other brain regions. This is the orbital frontal cortex, very similar pattern of relationships emerging. So if you have blunted response to the OFC as well as the dorsal striatum, you seem to be at increased risk for weight gain. Um, Parallel effects emerged within the uh, frontal priculum as well. Um, But we kept coming back to the, the question about what about the experimental work with animals that show that as animals overeat um, and gain weight, you see a reduction in striatal D2 receptor availability, D2 um, sensitivity, and reward sensitivity. Um, it seems to suggest that overeating contributes to blunted striatal response to food. Um, So we looked at that, and this just happened to fall out of a study that we had done for another purpose, but we had uh, 26 young women that did uh, the the milkshake reward paradigm at baseline and then six months later, and it gave us an opportunity to look at whether there was a reduction in straddle response to food receipt for those who gained weight versus those who um, remained weight stable or lost weight and Kent stole my slide, but here it is again, Um, is what we found, and this is, you know, I I should have the caveat that there's only eight people who showed the weight gain, so this is a very preliminary study. Um, But basically what happens, what happened was there was a reduced caudate response to milkshake receipt after um, it was about a 5% weight gain or more. So you know, not a gigantic degree of weight gain, but it does point to some, or Uh, provide some direct evidence that weight gain is associated with a reduction in reward from food potentially, or at least activation in this key uh, domain target region. So again, the results suggest that blunted striatal responsivity increases risk for weight gain. That was uh, our 2008 study, but also that weight gain contributes to a blunted striatal response. And upon reflection, we realized that most of our participants in our studies were overweight on average. Um, So we weren't getting in on the ground floor, and it's possible that the blunted uh, responsivity could be secondary to weight gain that these subjects had already experienced, even though they're only mid-adolescents. so we decided to um, kind of go back to the ground floor and study kids who are lean kids who are at high risk for obesity versus lean kids who are at low risk for obesity, um, and see what the response to the milkshake receipt and anticipated receipt is, as well as to money um, when these kids are still lean. So there's no possibility the history of overeating could have contributed to these uh, observed differences. Um, I won't get into the details of the paradigms, but it's the mon- monetary receipt paradigm. is very parallel to the milkshake receipt paradigm, but they just basically win money or not win money. They don't lose money, so there's none of that uh in this paradigm, because that activates this reward circuitry as well. Um, but what we found um, is that high risk teens versus low risk teens show greater activation um, in the caudate, frontal operculum, and parietal operculum in response to milkshake receipt. Um, very clean findings in terms of elevated responsivity to that, um, suggesting that they show greater activation or responsivity of reward circuitry before any history of weight gain. Interestingly, um, we found some evidence that they also show greater responsivity to receipt of money. Um, I will be the first to admit that the, the fig you know, if you look at the figures in this one, The bar graph to the very far left is clearly higher than all the other activation, um, which is what you'd want for this interaction. Uh, With monetary receipt, it was sort of driven more by the control showing, or the lower subject showing a funky reaction to money receipt. So it wasn't quite as clean that there's more activation reward circuitry in response to money, but there's some evidence in that direction. Um, Interestingly, there is no evidence, and this totally went against what I had expected, that there was no differences in activation in response to anticipated receipt of food or money. Um, So that suggests to me the possibility that the whole conditioning process that Kent has talked about needs to take place for that responsivity to kind of emerge. Um, That's conjecture on my part, but I think that might be what it means. Um, And then this is very fresh data that we just got uh, a couple weeks ago, but we're following the people in the first study um, over a several year period so we can predict weight gain, and we tested whether individual differences in response to food and monetary receipt predicted future weight gain over the one-year follow-up, this is only an N of 44, but what we found was that greater activation in the extended amygdala, midbrain, and OFC during milkshake predicted future um, increases in weight. Um, so again, this, this seems to support the hyper-responsivity theory, at least as things initially unfold. Uh, we even found some greater um, evidence of hyperresponsivity of the anterior cingulate cortex in response to anticipated receipt of milkshake, predicting future weight gain. So that might be more in line, um, you know, if you're more vigilant to kind of food cues, et cetera, that that might increase vulnerability for overeating. Um, so, now I'm going to try to tie all this together, and this is sort of complex, so bear with me. But what we found was that obese versus lean individuals show greater Rolandic operculum and tre- temporal operculum response to food intake in three studies. Uh, this finding emerged for obese youth and for youth at risk for obesity, and it seems to align with some evidence of differential somatosensory activation in um, overweight individuals to suggest hyperresponsivity of somatosensory regions. Um, that that might increase risk for obesity. And somatosensory regions are good at encoding the fat content of food, um, not the sweet taste, so it doesn't quite align with the uh, theme of the symposium, but it uh, is interesting nonetheless. Um, we also found that obese versus lean kids showed greater anterior insula and frontal operculum activation of food intake and anticipated intake in four different studies. Um, findings were similar for obese versus uh, those at risk for obesity. Um, this converges with findings from other labs and seems to imply that there's a hyperresponsivity of gustatory regions, um, the primary taste cortex, that increases risk for obesity. But we found that BMI was negatively related to dorsal striatal activation response to food intake. Um, this has emerged in two studies and Dana Small has recently replicated. Um, this converges with evidence from uh, Nora Volkoff and Jean-Jack Wang that obese individuals have lower D2 receptor densities in the dorsal striatum. This finding does seem to echo uh, results from the substance abuse literature, which is an interesting parallel. This blunted stridal OFC and frontal operculum activation of food um, increases risk for future weight gain for those with attack A1 allele. So if you have, if your genetic risk for compromised don't mean signaling, it seems like a blunted response to that circuitry to food increases vulnerability for overeating. But elevated OFC activation in response to food cues did predict weight gain in one study that I I didn't speak about today. Um, So there's some evidence that sort of hyper-responsivity of regions that encode the reward value of stimuli can increase your vulnerability for future weight gain as well. Um, This really echoes results from the substance abuse literature that individuals who have a drug abuse problem show greater responsivity to cues for, you know, drug cues, et cetera. so this suggests that a hyper of incentive-sensitization regions confers risks for weight gain in our food-rich uh, environment. Yet we found that overeating attenuates stridal response to food. Um, this converges with some really nice work out of um, Kenny's lab and others, as well as the Steele study that was talked about earlier. Suggesting that overeating leads to an erosion of reward from food intake. Um, and there might be this notion that if you originally experience a lot of pleasure from eating and then that goes away because you've overeaten, that you may try to overeat to attain that same high that you once captured. And if you've worked with, with substance abusing patients, they'll sort of talk about that notion as well. Chasing the high is sort of how they refer to it. Um, so we also found that lean um, kids at high risk for obesity showed hyperresponsivity in the dorsal striatum in response to food. Suggesting that people at risk for obesity initially show hyperresponsivity to food reward, and critically, we found that hyperresponsivity of reward regions uh, to food receipt and anticipated receipt a little bit less um, predicts increased risk for uh, initial weight gain, and that's you know moving from lean to not lean. Um, The food reward hyper-responsivity coupled with hyper-responsivity of somatosensory regions seems to be important, though. It's not just hyper-responsivity reward circuitry, but there was a a role played by the somatosensory regions. Um, This seems to align with evidence that's more behavioral, that obese individuals um, show greater responsivity of somatosensory regions to food cues, um, report that eating high-fat foods are more pleasant, tasting, etc. And this may explain the specificity because a hyper-responsive reward circuitry has been implicated for drug abuse, alcohol abuse, and other repetitive behaviors such as uh, you know gambling or sex, uh, hypersexuality. So this may be why there's specificity to obesity if, if the somatosensory regions involved. So, putting this all together, um, the results seem to suggest that elevated responsivity of reward circuitry, in general, that is coupled with elevated responsivity of somatosensory regions increases risk for overeating initially. We didn't find any evidence that greater responsivity of regions that encode the reward value of foods, um, that that was present in at-risk kids uh, that don't have a history of overeating. But then it appears that, that after you begin a career of overeating, uh, there's downregulation that may occur within dopamine based reward circuitry, um, which might increase risk for future overeating in a feed forward manner as people try to attain the same reward that they once got from food. And animal studies suggest that overeating also results in increased responsivity of regions that encode the incentive value of food. So that's sort of the priming of the incentive network um, to food cues, and that that may also further increase risk for future overeating. So it's, taking it together um, it's sort of a, a dual phase model that there's the processes that get you to begin a career of overeating cause neuroplasticity or changes in reward circuitry um, that then serve to maintain overeating. Um, so anyway, this is a working model. Paul Kenny, uh, in a recent paper in um, Neuron proposed a very similar model, and it's a, it's a wonderful review paper if you haven't read it. Um, Future directions, well, I think it'll be very important to test this full dynamic vulnerability model um, wherein the initial vulnerability factors are qualitatively different from the factors that might maintain overeating. Um, And this is going to require probably multi-panel fMRI studies um, that nobody's done before and I'm not entirely sure it'll work, but I think it's worth trying. Um, And it'll also be important to investigate interventions that may correct hypo or hyper-responsivity of these reward regions um, to try to ameliate obesity or prevent obesity. Um, and I think it would provide a vital experimental test of whether we're on the right track with some of these theories. Um, so I want to thank all the people in my lab that has made this happen, and <laughs> really.: questions. And I noticed that you had studied both adolescents and adults, and I wondered if you'd seen any difference in responses uh, suggesting that maybe adolescence is a vulnerable period of development of Yeah, I, I, I wish we had, we can't really scan kids that are too young, so we're sort of hamstrung in our ability to, to look at a full, broad swath. Um, but I think it's uh, it, it's a very interesting notion, and certainly as kids, enter middle school and have more uh, elective control over their eating behaviors, it seems like a very wise uh, time, it, you know, be good to look at that, as well as um, there's a lot of evidence that our prefrontal regions, which um, there's some evidence that they can dampen down a reward circuitry, that they don't really fully come online until kind of, you know, in young adulthood. So that would be important to kind of look at developmental changes in that as well. Okay, Thank thanks. You.